0: Hi, I'm Dave Barnes And I'm John McLaughlin And welcome to Dadville Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding It's funny thoughts
1: and deep talks
0: So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with S.D. Smith Warm spring days
1: are arriving. Oh my Am I gosh, right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on and take them off and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, them. Dave, I know
0: exactly sorry, sorry, what I didn't you mean. I mean Knock around is the solution. what is the what's the the initial thing with authors why is that a Uh, thing i think it's cool i like it
2: it's so dumb so uh, i was working at a cafe uh and and i'd been laid off and i was in a really low point in my life i was making like twelve dollars an hour with two young kids and it's a really miserable part and i was writing books or i was starting to write and, and i was getting published in this thing and i was like what am i supposed to what should i do because sam smith is there's was, there was a bunch of other authors and that was before the uh, the musician sam smith uh-huh. came around but there was a real famous sports writer named sam smith and it was like so if you googled it or searched or whatever it was just like a nightmare so i was like i gotta differentiate but i don't know what to do and she my friend was like we should be sd smith like you know you love pg woodhouse and um gk chesterton and mm-hmm. all these guys and I was like, well, I'll never do that. That's the dumbest. That is so pretentious. I would never do that. And, but anyway, I, I did it anyway. So.
0: <laughs> and then and here, here you are.
2: And it worked. I, I decided to do it as an homage. It's an homage to my favorite um, authors instead of a pretentious little jerk who wants attention.
1: <laughs> I think that as far as... If That works for me. They're always synonymous. Sadly for sure. me, <laughs> yeah, They're there, you can't separate the two. So, <laughs> Sam, we are really, really, really excited to have you. This, this, um, this is kind of the first time that we've done this, where we've had um an author who writes um books like you, like we've had, you know, like um, I guess John, have we had fiction writers on? i actually don't know that we have. Have I thought you're
2: going to say the first time i have had an author on that we have not heard of.
1: Uh, that we that we're not sure as an author and that's fine and we love that that it's we've kind of discovered
0: yeah um, that's right yeah that we've did i you know i don't know now i'm nervous because i'm like I, I feel like we did interview someone who hadn't published a novel but they had like written a bunch of books and they're working on a novel i can't okay. remember that well
1: I, I think you are, I, we're gonna call you the first sure. for this sure. um which i'm really yeah that's right uh it was ai um we we're really i am really excited about this i'm i'm stoked to have you on and um and there's a barrage of questions so i want to i want to get into this and and so what we do um here on dadville is we 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 start with what we call the brag sheet which is like um this is your life oh yeah that's uh, so, okay dadville alum okay <laughs> okay um Hasn't written fiction. I guess, is every song fiction? I digress. Um, okay, so uh, Sam, here we go. Wrote the Green Ember series, which is a million-selling series, which is bananas. Green Ember made it to number one on the Audible chart for best-selling audio- audiobooks.
0: Which is Crazy.
1: That Number is, one on again, Audible. That's insane. So, okay, this is... Uh. Is this the greatest title of the book ever? Mooses with Bazookas <laughs> and Other Stories Children Should Never Read. Co-authored a novel with his son, which I'm so excited to talk to you about. Um, Jack Zulu in The Waylander's Key. Founder of Storyworm, which is also really cool. Authored, a course, on writing called The Green Writer. Sadly is a liverpool fan we're going to keep going through that fun facts which i love this grew up in south africa you and dave matthews i was going to say have a lot of things pretty in much common. the same life that would okay. be yeah, really yeah. similar in turn 13 this is crazy the day that nelson mandela was released from prison that is so cool so thrilled to have you on Junior. this is i'm really stoked about talking about this um
2: you keep so, like talking yourself into it. I, I think the more times I do, you say it, I the more do. you're like, I, "Yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen."
1: Yeah, it's it will. No, it's it's a manifestation thing. Um, so so first, I want to like, I mean, I know you get asked this a million times. Uh, why Liverpool? No, uh, what made you want to be an author? Like, how how did that begin? It was this cafe days. You were dreaming about it, or is, you know, when did, when did sort of that whole thing start?
2: Yeah, it, it, uh, it's it was super organic. Really, you know, like a lot of people, it's it's the same story for a lot of people who write children's books. But it was I I was a dad, and so Mm. I told my kids stories. I was always that kind of a person. My oldest brother told me stories when I was little. I grew up in a holler in uh, West Virginia. If you don't don't know if you heard of a holler, I don't know how fied you guys are, but you know, back in the woods. Uh, My my dad said we lived so far back in the woods that no one lived behind us. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, when i was little i thought that was true Which is that is really so good a fantasy element comes in because um, i would like imagine that. like really like if you just kept going back and back and, and nobody's I thought back there um but yeah so i grew up with hearing stories and stories about animals like because that's pretty natural you know when you're yeah. in that kind of environment a rural environment i live in rural west virginia which is to say i live in west virginia <laughs> right uh, <laughs> and uh, so I, so i grew up with with stories about the pony and stories about dogs and stuff. So I would tell my baby sister those stories. And then I told my kids stories. It was just kind of a natural thing.
0: So and when the, you say the, that your older brother would tell you stories, like what, what's the setting? Like you guys are like in laying in your bunk beds at night and like, he would tell a story.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, did you go straight to little house on the prairie? Is that what you were thinking? A little think bit. You You're
0: laying in the barn on your hay beds. Yeah. Paul Paul
2: is. Paul just. I'm
0: imagining the there's livestock around.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit so I, I literally did grow up there was a trailer which we moved out of a trailer into a basement of a log cabin that my dad was building in a oh, wow in uh, wayne county west virginia and he never finished the 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 cabin we went to the mission field during that was his dream was to sort of build this log cabin out in the woods and it never got finished so i grew up in sort of a bit of a dank dark basement um that we were trying for years to get out of, but we never, we never, we never got out of it except we did finally and went to, went to Africa. Um, But that's what, that's the setting for where my brother, and it was bunk beds. We had, there were three of us brothers at that time became four really, really small little room. He had a, he had a a bed and then we had a bunk bed. And he would would tell me stories. We're on like kind of a walk on the gravel road up the, up the holler uh, stories about Sparky the uh horse or bojo the dog and yeah it was a great great time bojo
1: what a great dog name
2: he was a border collie and a, he didn't really belong to us i think he belonged to a neighbor jack smith this old man who had cows and everything and but he just yeah he was super loyal He was a great dog so i, I would tell stories to my um baby sister the same thing i'll kind of just re, re uh rehash those stories and became very inventive and, and actually honestly that, that living back in the woods and we we went to town to like go to school and stuff, um, but we that was a an incredible um, like training ground for my vocation. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a reader at the time. I didn't really grow up like a lot of authors grew up like going to the library all the time and reading nonstop. I liked like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Star Trek and the Dukes of Hazard and the Lone Ranger and um sports like i loved football and basketball and soccer and everything i just i love sports so i was like more of a typical sort of a guy you know i wasn't mm-hmm. i wasn't really bookish until i was in my teens uh, but i played all the time and played in the woods with my brothers and played army played star trek and if they weren't there i would play anyway and i would invent whatever and we didn't have yeah. a lot of money so my dad would like saw out you know from like the materials he was making the The cabin with he would like saw out like a gun you know or like a laser gun or something and and so we didn't really we couldn't really we didn't buy all the stuff like all the star wars stuff that we wanted but he we we would make but he would make stuff and then i would make like fleets of airplanes uh, out of like bark or battleships out of like Uh bark and i would make paper airplanes and i would design them and i would have a story for each one i would invent games and so so i was always doing that kind of stuff and and boredom in the woods and a little bit of poverty is like re- a really great ingredient for being created. So I feel like I yeah. was I was a I was world building. I wasn't a writer, right? I wasn't yeah. a reader, but I was a, I was kind of I was already a world builder.
0: Did you grow up feeling like oh I'm good at this, or did you grow up just thinking like well everybody's good at this? This is like people come up with stories. This is just what you do.
2: I didn't think about it at all. Really, I don't think I I, uh, I never. I, it's only really like sort of looking back that I realized how much play was a, and boredom and all that was a part of sort of creating the capacities that I have. Mm, now. Yeah. Um, but at, but at the time I would have thought of myself as like an athlete, like a shy mm-hmm. kid who was, who played sports and was like pretty good at sports. And I didn't, I never would have thought of anything that was like intellectual or like bookish. I would have thought, no, nah, that's, that's not me. I'm not, not that at all. Uh, uh but so, so no, I, I didn't think about that at all <laughs> as a kid.
1: And then you didn't start writing until after y'all had started a family. Is that yeah. true?
2: Well, a little bit. I, I, so in in school, again, I didn't really notice it, but I would sort of write like little stories. I heard, so at one point, I think maybe it was in first grade. And again, I wasn't a reader. So I had a teacher that read Little Women to us and the boxcar children. But Little Women really stuck out to me because um, the character of Joe March is is a writer. And I mm. remember thinking, like for some reason, you know, like you grew up, pretty rural and you're far away from things. So, so you think I thought of like a writer as like an astronaut or an NBA player or, so, or mm-hmm. I kind of maybe I thought of them as like vaguely like British or far yeah, away. Right. And so for some reason, the fact that Louisa Malcott, you know, this Joe character, if the teacher said something about it being based on her life. And I was like, Oh, so she's like an American. And for some mm-hmm. reason that, that, and she was like not rich. And she had a bunch of siblings, which I had, and I just kind of something, it got like the distance went away mm, mm, a little bit and I mm. thought, oh, you can be a, like a person can be a writer. And then I thought, well, like, that's the coolest thing. Like, why would you do anything else? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really think of it like necessarily vocationally or big terms, but I, at that time I thought, I'll write a little story. And so I wrote like a little dog story or a little, so I started doing that kind of a thing. And if we had an assignment in school, I was always kind of good at that. So I always thought of myself as, well, I'm kind of good at that, but I never really, I didn't, that didn't translate into like, I would like to be a novelist. I didn't really even think I knew about that. I still thought mm. I'll play for West Virginia. And I'll, <laughs> then I'll go to play for the Knicks and that'll be my life. You know, that, that's, mm. so I wasn't, I wasn't too bad, but it did the, the walls of like impossibility started to break down a little bit.
1: That's so, isn't it funny? I, I feel like so many of us in the creative um, vocational space, that is such a constant, consistent story is like, you don't know it's a thing, whatever that thing is you do. And you love to do until somebody the world life classroom TV, something brings it to the forefront where it's like, oh no, that's something people do. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Like people yeah. do that? Like people, I would know that. Yeah, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. You met that one time or whatever, your uncle, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, and it, you know, everything kind of goes technicolor. Yeah. And then life has this option for something mm-hmm. that you just, especially when you have a gifting for it, like you're saying, Sam, like where you already feel a little bit of a proclivity for it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's so slow,
2: like clicking into place. Like there's like little parts of it. But I'm totally, you guys have probably experienced that where you've talked to somebody or you know, like somebody in your family has been like, Oh yeah. Like my kids have a completely different approach yeah, to the arts yep. than I do. My yep. kids are like, Oh yeah. It's normal to be an entrepreneur. It's normal to be, I didn't, I'd never met somebody like I'm somebody that ran a business. I was like, yeah, was comp- nobody in my family did that. Yeah. Nobody went to college. Nobody. So there was a, it was just out there. It was weird. I knew like my papa wrote poetry and stuff. That So it wasn't oh, wow. weird, but it was just like to know somebody that ran a business, knew anything about money. It was just totally, but my kids are like, no, oh, no, it's normal to, for a family to have a little, you know, a little business. That's just like a normal.
1: Well, um, we laugh all the time. John is a prodigiously good piano player, genuinely. And my kids are so used to seeing him play. And I'm like, this is like such a gift. And at the same time, you're kind of screwed because you think like, yeah, you can probably, let's just walk a couple of blocks and see if somebody up there plays (laughs) piano. And I'm like, oh no, no, that's that's not how this works. So one of the things, I have a couple of questions about exactly this, this is a job because I, I just don't, again, we I've not sat and talked to someone who does exactly what you do really before. One of the things I'm curious about and inquiring minds want to know is being an author, anything like being a songwriter in that when you're working on a, on a book and a story, right? Do you have those moments where you're mowing? You know, you're, you're on a run, you're at Target, whatever. You're about to whatever. sink a
0: three-pointer at the Y.
1: Yeah, you're just about to crank that three and you go, oh my gosh, that's how we, that's how." That chapter ends. Book ends. That's how the book begins. You know, and then you kind of grab your phone. Or is that like a thing too? Or are you more like no? Like when I, I have you know where I write, and it's when I go sit. That's kind of when I open the creative floodgates, and it mm-hmm. happens then.
2: No, I, I had the same like um, experience. I, I I was like a failed singer songwriter. That's uh, oh wow. Yeah. That's kind of part of what a part of my story was, and I could we could go into that, but um there's a the cliche like how many hours a day do you work on your uh work on your writing, and of course, the cliche answer is all of them, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. exactly what you 're saying is yeah it's always alive, so it, yeah. I think it's funny cause i don 't know if you guys experience this, but it's sometimes it's hard because people don't see like what the work you 're doing all the time, but you're kind of. For me, I've always been like the kid that's like lays awake at night and just um, now that I'm the 47-year-old man who lays awake at night and just the brain will not stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm like super productive or anything. It's often counterproductive. Yeah, exactly. But but it's going nonstop unless I can like derail it with like an audio book or something. But so I, I have to. Yeah, so it's always going, and I have the exact same experience. Mowing, do you?
1: So, do you yeah. voice like? So, let's say again, for, for the sake of example, you're mowing the yard, and you you know you're mowing, and you're thinking, you're like, okay, and then and then it's like, ding. Do you? Is your move as an author used do? You grab and voice memo. Do you type? Like, what is the way that you actually? Because Dave that and I
0: Dave and my phones are both filled with like hundreds and hundreds of little snippets of ideas.
2: I, that, I do that some, it, the, I'm the dumbest, this is the stupidest way. And I, for some reason, I just, I've, n- I've not corrected it, but I send myself emails. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And the, yeah. So the subject line of my email will be like th- like 50 words of, and it's just got detail. And, and, <laughs> just, the, <laughs> just the subject line. You don't even get to say, the yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm afraid I won't or something. So I just like, and it's enough to get the thing down, but I'll do that like in the car or whatever. I'll usually pull over or sometimes I, and it's it's like all capital letters and it's it looks like like a Donald Trump tweet or something it's so uh, it's crazy and it's like 90% misspelled yeah. and it's terrible so sometimes i'm looking at these and like what was i trying to say or i'll just say to my wife like email me the words gray stone thundersword you know species x or some stupid nah, that's, that sounds like something i actually don't write
1: but. actually i mean i'm wildly interested in wherever it's, that was going to go if that you're that not going to use that i actually would love to i run was going to say yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah either that's already an acdc song or we're going to write it so <laughs> uh
2: but so so yeah that, i do but i but i feel the same way about capturing like because yeah, yeah. especially as i yeah. get older yeah. I have, oh, i've yeah. gone through the whole period where i thought well I'll rem- i remember things and then right? Like that. Positive, I don't. Which is such a much a better, like, humble orientation to, toward reality. And I just send myself, I send myself emails, so many emails, and then I then I try to like get rid of those emails when I get to my computer. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. And then I it, yeah. it
2: or whatever, make a little note. But yeah, it, it's been, it's the same way. I try to I have to capture stuff because it's.
1: Our, we laugh about this all the time, but our version of that is like the all caps misspelled is when we're on runs and you have a song idea and you try to sing it while you're running into yeah. a voice note. <laughs> Yeah, and it just sounds like you're either in a on the losing side of a tickle fight, or like, you know, you've been dropped into a war zone, and it's just a. It's, and then you're listening back to it, and you're like, wait,
2: wh-? and you know, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> it,
0: I think it's actually been productive once, ever for me. Yeah, yeah. but I've yeah, done you know, there's it. No, I've, I've on the done the album.
2: It. You're just straight on the album, just like it's that. Just voice. like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. That's oh my
2: gosh! Just, just sent it
1: and it got mixed. Is that
0: so? We actually, Dave and I just did a couple of episodes where we talked about work specifically, and I've said this many times on on this podcast before. Um, I had a hard time for me growing up. My dad was a super hard worker and had more of a traditional job. Was like you know, left, worked, came home from an, a, you know the end of a, a day's work. And my mom as well. And so when I become an adult, I'm the singer-songwriter. Obviously, my day looks very different than my parents. And when we had kids, it didn't really you know, come into my, my mind until we had kids. And I started to like think of the, the world that they're growing up in, the house that they're growing up in, and what they're seeing dad, quote-unquote, work. It was a real... It was a hard thing for me. I've been like processing it through the years. I've been a dad for 11 years now, right? So, but it was a thing for me for a while. Like I felt lazy. I felt like I was not really working because my days did not look like my dad's did specifically or my mom's. Um, As you're describing sort of how you work and all that kind of stuff, like did you have any of that? Or what what, what did you grow up seeing your parents do occupationally?
2: I have the exact same experience. I've been a parent for 21 years almost, and Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, and I had a like a regular job and transitioned to this. And even my regular job was a little bit had my last regular job had a little bit unusual hours, so I almost felt a little bit of that before. Yeah, I feel that because so much of it is mental, and so so I Mm -hmm. I feel that same like I've got to prove to somebody. But I had the exact same thought even a lot recently, like oh man, is it good that my my kids are experiencing me? Like I, I just went through a real like i don't know if you have this at the end of a album or or getting prepping for an album or something but like finishing a a manuscript and so like you know i'm on the downhill sort of plunge and so i'm I'm, I'm like it's like 12 hour days and just trying to like stay in the world and like taking breaks but i'm kind of like semi-human and Mm -hmm. i'm not really and i'll just keep going and i'll like sleep late and that's that's sort of natural for me and i'm like is it killing my kids that i'm uh, you know, waking up at 11 a.m. Or, or something, and writing all day—you know—had the exact same hmm. uh, feeling. And 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 it's funny. I, I I'm very conscious even lately. Like I don't know, you, you sort of tell yourself we we're, we're all storytellers all the time, and we're thinking about our life as a story, and that's kind of a big deal. You know, people are tuned into that. But it's it's so so funny. I was on a walk with my daughter yesterday, my 11 um, year old, my baby. Uh, I have four kids, two girls, 20 and 11 and two boys, 18 and 14. And, uh, I was with my baby girl and she, and I, I think I was maybe in a particular sort of a, one of those like a little bit natural, maybe natural sort of artist kind of funks, like telling myself a bunch of lies and mm-hmm. reinforcing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and thinking like, and I had the exact same thought, like, what are my kids, like, what's my kids experience with me? And it mm-hmm. was so cool because that day two I had two gifts from her and she, one of them was we were, we were on a walk around sort of our little rural neighborhood and she, I didn't even see it, but I looked down and I saw that she had like a a package of like, um, I don't know it was like a candy bar wrapper or something in her hand. And uh, she'd like picked it up and then she like bent down and picked up another one. Uh, you know, that was just like on the road somewhere. And I was like, Oh, get, you know, good job. And, and, um, she said, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm just like my dad, uh, you know, like I we, like, and I was like, oh, she's like her, her story about me was, is like, that's in her mind is like, when we go walking around, like you pick up trash from, from places and mm-hmm. it's a small, it's a little thing. But to me, it was a big deal. It was like, yeah. oh, the things I'm telling myself that, that they're, that the story that they're going to say that they feel is maybe not exactly lined up. Maybe it's not a tragedy, <laughs> this dramatic tragedy. Right, right. And, uh, you know, and she even said later the same day, she said, um, oh, yeah, we were going to play a game of some kind, I think checkers or something. She's, she said, oh, you're you always No, she she said, I, you know, I, I want to let the, uh, somebody else pick. She's like, because you you always let other people pick like you you. I want to be like mm. you kind of like you always let other people pick the game that you even if you don't want to play it like you play it. And I was like, that's definitely not the story I would have told told right. about myself. These are two little tiny things, but they meant so much to me because what I feel, uh, it gave me a little bit of relief, like, oh, maybe I'm telling myself this sort of tragedy about my poor kids going through this mm, hellish, right. this hell of a life with this artistic dad <laughs> who's a goofball and doesn't, you know, doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground or whatever. And and uh, I don't think I got that one quite right, but um,
1: no, you nailed that. That's it. Yeah,
2: okay, good. But uh, but but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a tragedy. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's a comedy with a with a wedding at the end. I, I don't
0: know. I mean, it's if, funny. If I got those two comments from my girls that I would be on cloud nine. I, that would make yeah, my day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think too, like that. That's that's I love
1: that phrase so much. Like, how do my kids experience me? Like, what is that's such a fascinating, mildly terrifying thought. But I I love mm-hmm. you thinking about that. So so. I have more, I have more questions. So buckle up.
2: I'd really like to wrap it up, but okay.
1: This is, <laughs> guys, I got to mow the yard. If you don't mind. Um, <laughs> i
2: got to email myself a novel
1: chapter. <laughs> just start, yeah, you're just like, don't do so, so here's one of the things that, that, that I think is so fascinating about what you do. When you are building these stories, like you said, um, you're building these worlds, right? These characters that. Occupy not just one book, but carry through a series of books. You know, so so that the people who read them really get to know them and have these great affinities for them as the heroes and whatever. I just feel like it would be so much pressure, especially you know when you're having success like you do. Where you, I mean, it's I love the pictures on your Instagram of all these people that are at these events to see you, and it's got to be so affirming when you see that to go like, man, all these people enjoying what I'm doing, but. I just sit there and I go, I just think it would feel so heavy when you realize that you can make these huge decisions, huge decisions with a character that means so much to people it, on a whim. I mean, you would never do that. But I think about that so much. I'm like, that has got to be a really weird thing, unless you're just like, oh, no, it's like you guys are writing a song, you know, I'm going to write more. And this is what I've ch- chosen for this character. But I just think it's so fascinating to think that. All those people that are reading, all those people that come to these events, they're looking at you going like, okay, you got one more book in this series. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh my God, that would feel, you know, like when I watch a series I really love and I'm really into a character, I'm reading a book series, whatever, you know, I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, what are they going to, I mean, you decide all of it and you decide all of it. Like, that's
2: crazy. Yeah. I was talking to my dad, My, my dad's a, uh, combat veteran from Vietnam and he, he went to, uh, he, he was likely to get drafted, but he volunteered <laughs> and, uh, he wanted, wow. he, hmm. he wanted to be, a he, he wanted two things in life. He said, I want to be an old man with a bunch of kids around and I want to be a combat veteran.
0: Hmm. And,
2: uh, he's, he's achieved wow. both of those now, but, but he volunteered and he took tests and he, uh, when they, when he first volunteered and he went, he didn't go to college or anything. And they sent him to Officer Candidate School, and they said your your know your, your scores are really good, and he's just some hick from 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 the holler. and And they said, uh, and they they wanted to point him to West Point, and he uh, turned down uh, he turned down going to West Point because he was afraid he'd miss the war, and uh, and he wanted to get married, and he couldn't get married, so he got married and went to Vietnam, and uh, my brother was born while he was in Vietnam, my oldest brother, and Jeez. he. One thing he's, he didn't want to, he didn't kind of didn't want to be an officer. He kind of wanted to like, but but he said when he was going through that, that process about whether or not he should become a, a, an officer or not. And like basically become a, you know, first lieutenant, there were a lot of first lieutenants in, in, uh, in Vietnam, because a lot of them were being killed. And so there's a lot, a lot of need for Mm him, but he, he basically said, I didn't want to be an officer, but I wanted even less that to, to follow orders from somebody else who, you know, if, if our lives were mm. going to be in somebody's hands, which I didn't like any of it, I wanted them to be in my hands because I didn't feel wow, um, supremely confident, but I felt like, you know, the God's given me gifts and I'm, I'm, and, and so this is a slightly, the stakes are slightly lower when you're writing a novel, but I feel similarly <laughs> to that. Like you're describing, like, yeah. I am by nature, a very anxious, mm. anxious person, um, worried like that's my my i think that's the other side of of that really thoughtfulness and uh being somewhat insightful or inventive or whatever like that i can't turn it off and so i've struggled with anxiety and probably depression and all that kind of stuff like it's easy that's that's like my natural state is to be sort of like things to feel heavy and to 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 have a difficulty Mm. sort of Mm. breaking free from that and actually find it really liberating to be caught up in writing a, a story where I'm not focusing on myself, yeah, which is similar to playing sports wow, um, uh, or something like that, where you just kind of forget yourself for a while. I just, that's like the mm-hmm. best feeling in the world is like, Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about myself anymore. Yeah. And I try to orient all my art, all whatever I'm creating. I think of it as a, as a, as a vocation with an apron on where I'm serving other people. I don't think of myself as like an elite artist who's like, Oh, I'm so good. And so now people need to gather around me. I think of myself like a line cook, like, and I don't want to lose the magic of it. I, I try to sort of hold both. It's, it's this miraculous, beautiful, powerful vocation. that's like a stardust mm-hmm. in it and magic and glory and miracle. And, I, and I'll mm-hmm. never let go of that. But at the same other time, I'm like, it's an ordinary vocation rooted in love and service. And I'm not superior to the plumber or the garbage man or the pastor or the homemaker. I'm like, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. We're all like loving each other and listening to the voice of God to call us to do something in the world. So I try to hold on to both those things at the same time. And even though they conflict and I'm sure you guys do the same with your, with, with, with yours, with your um, music. But so I, so I, I feel the responsibility and I really do feel it keenly because of how much I love the kids. And because the book started as stories for my own kids, the, 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 some of that problem, some of the, the crippling anxiety of my life it has been, well, I say it's been two things. It's been a, a a way, a place in which God has shown up to be for me, to be strength in my weakness, to where that's insane mm-hmm. to me that I would ever speak to a group. If you go back 10, 15 years and tell me that I was going to speak to a group of five people, I would have been like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll be a, I'll be president, too, or something like it was the same thing or I'll play an mm-hmm. NBA. It mm-hmm. was like at that time I was aware of my limitations. So it was just impossible, impossible to think of, and and uh, and so it's the same with the writing and stuff. So I would have thought it would, I would be completely crippled by that problem. And and when I wrote the second book yeah. in the Green Ember series after the first book, really surprisingly, like my first book that I'm like, well, I'll try this out, and then you know it'll obviously stink, but someday I'll write something good. And then everyone looked at that book, and I was like, oh gosh, that's so terrifying. But but that sort of took off. And I'm writing yeah. the second book, and I was like, hey, you know what, I'll do. I'll kill a really important character in this book. And and uh, for some reason there there was like I felt a little bit of that like oh uh, tension or worry or what, but but I don't know man that was like God showing up to me in this really small way it's not Vietnam it's not you know the, the stakes are lower but they're pretty high for me and and the audience in a way because they do care. To them it's it's they don't they're dumb. They think it's like Narnia or something. Uh I'm just kidding. They're yeah. they, but they they do have this like they th- it's a big deal to them, which which makes it a big deal to yeah. me. So so they uh so but I I write with this I think about these three words um for to sort of anchor me as, as a career. I think about it as an MFA. I don't have an MFA. I have some suspicion about some some MFAs. Um but I think of it as these three words, modesty, fidelity and audacity that I'm that I want to be rooted in, like, who I am. My, my dad, you know, there's a very strong, like, don't get too big for your britches kind of a mentality with people where I come from. So I have to, I want to have that modesty. I want to understand that whatever gifts I have, they're from God. I want to have fidelity. I want to be faithful. I want to be honest. I want to tell true. I want to tell the truth. I want to be like Tolkien, who who believed the Lord of the Rings was a true story, not that the events happened, but that it was faithful to reality. Mm-hmm. I want to tell true stories. So I want to have faithfulness, and then I want to have audacity, like because I can, like it's it's, it's okay, like out of that abundance, out of that gift, I can be audacious. So I, for some reason, this anxious, fearful, terrified person would be afraid to speak up uh you know half of my life i'm I'll talk to a group of three thousand people and i'll um and i'll uh so, and i'll write with I'll write something that I think is going to be a gift with a kind of insane confidence uh that doesn't make any sense and mm-hmm. and I don't know where it comes from, but somewhere in that convoluted story is an answer to your question
0: Dave <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang okay. On a second. Yeah. I need a break. Oh, wow. I know. We just we worked so hard. Can we <laughs> grab some coffee? Oh gosh. John. Yeah. Did you, you say
1: coffee, right? Yes. Okay. Today's episode and what I'm drinking right now, you can hear it. Actually, that's a terrible sound effect I just <laughs> made. But that <laughs> cup of joe that I'm drinking, John, guess what it was brought to you about? Can we sing it together? Uh, ready? One. Or five six seven eight methodical Methodical coffee we did we both did it fast
0: well well, you've got coffee now you just took a sip that's right i'm I'm amped now listen methodical coffee they have craft coffee and tea for people of all kinds roasted blended brewed served and perfected by verified coffee and tea nerds like you and me dave well
1: more you than me that's exactly right yeah which i don't say that a lot so if you really want to have a moment just say it one more time That's exactly right, John.
0: Yeah, I wanted to say it with you.
1: (laughs) And Methodical isn't just the name of their business.
0: Nope. It's their approach to, well, everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, But Dave, you know what? The best of Methodical's coffee? It's got to be
1: our Dadville Dadville Blend. blend. Yes, John. The Dadville blend is the fuel that gets me going. It's not the only fuel that mm-hmm. gets me going everywhere. I mean my family, God. The gospel. Yeah, God. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's a big part of it. It's the liquid yep. fuel. Okay. Yep, there we go. Filled with hints of chocolate, graham, and brown sugar.
0: Well, Dave, Methodical, it's they're on a mission oh, to connect yes. people to the beauty of life through coffee experiences for people like you. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Methodical's been roasting and hosting roasting for over house. nine years. That's almost ten years. They <laughs> offer a wide selection of coffees and teas that are complex, yet yes. easy going. Oh, Johnny, I'm just Giggles giggles, McGillicuddy over <laughs> here. <laughs> On
1: their site you'll also find, who is a big methodical fan.
0: Yeah, he is. See, he's yeah, the guy he that he does web design team. for them now. <laughs>
1: On their site, you'll find brew guides, John, that'll teach you how to turn your coffee brewing chore into a beloved ritual. Craft a cup you'll love with methodical coffee. Also, get 10% off your first order of coffee or tea with discount code. Say it with me. Dadville. (laughs) Dadville. hello dave wow okay yours was yours was better than that johnny thanks are yep. you loving this warmer weather
0: summer mm. is just around the corner dave i am so glad that you brought that up because the weather has been so great mm. i'm playing tennis yep right mm-hmm. i'm sitting outside on the porch Gosh. in my tennis shoes <laughs> going for walks yep in my in different shoes i don't, yeah, I, don't I was gonna walk say that's just too far yeah, I mean it's so nice, and honestly, I don't really want to be spending too much time in the kitchen making meals because there's so many other John, things John, to do John, outside. John, John, John.
1: That's yeah. where Factor comes in. You can fuel up with Factors, uh, no prep, no mess meals, so you can spend more time outside.
0: Okay. It sounds good but Dave, let me ask you a question, okay? Can I meet my wellness goals in time for summer <laughs> with Factor? I hope you've got goals and then
1: more goals, John, cuz we'd call you Cristiano Ronaldo soccer joke. Hey. And guess what? And then some, John, it's going to be just fine. Factor has chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus and keto, and Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved
0: and ready to eat in just 2 minutes. Dave, that sounds so awesome. You've talked me into it. I'm ready. Wow, that was easy. I'm ready to kickstart my routine with 35 different Good meals. gracious. And more than 60 add ons to choose from, Goodness, Dave. Did you know gracious. that? I'm educating you now. And these are restaurant quality meals like filet mignon, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Shrimp. Mm hmm. Blackened salmon. Enjoy you know?
1: effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well balanced.
0: Head to factormeals.com slash dadville50 and use the code Dadville50 to get 50% off. That's 5-0. 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next
1: month. That's code Dadville 50 at factormeals.com slash 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Dave. John, we all love summer, and our oh, kids yeah. especially love summer, but yep. we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school. And that yep. can create some summer child care problems.
0: You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, <gasps> there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies... Are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been
1: around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified
0: college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash dadville to start your search.
1: A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you.
0: You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to com slash dadville.
1: That's great. I, I think it it, it it leads to another question. I'm curious. I love the way that you answer that, by the way, because I think it it it's a reminder to me that, you know, you you obviously care. But I mean, the, in your explanation, it's so much of what you're um, inferring is that, you know, like you really care about this, too. It's not just, you know, it's not just words on a page that you're yeah. going, where does it go next? It's like, God, I, I want to feel, you know, same as writing songs like I, me and John have to feel it first for them to feel it. And, 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 it, and, and it's funny. I'm like, well, of course that's how it works. But I mean, it's still, I, I just, the weight of it feels enormous to me, especially when it's working because all of a sudden that's that many eyes on you going like, well, it left on a cliffhanger. What happens book three? And you're kind of like, Goo. Well, and you,
0: you know? get, get, you get anxiety stuff. about, like I will get anxiety while I'm writing a song. I'll, I'll often come to like forks in the road where I'm like, I kind of want, I want to take it this way. But I know if I go this way, that's a little more marketable or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's a, are you constantly coming to that fork in the road or is it slightly different for you?
2: It's a little different, I think, because I didn't, um, when we started, like these are stories I told my kids. And so they, they, it was an experience of many, many years of me telling them, uh, uh, it started on a, a porch, like 50 yards from where I am right now. I'm in a little garden shed writing office, which I call the forge, which is, you know, where a smith works in the forge. So it's this little humble garden shed. My my commute mm-hmm. is, you know, 10 seconds from the house. But the the porch, that's where the story started. Mm-hmm. And it started because my daughter was there and she's a little little girl and he's used to tell her stories. And then we're on the porch and people often ask about the rabbits because my stories were about rabbits and I did you know. Why did you choose rabbits? And I always tell them that I'm a rabbit Calvinist because uh, I didn't choose the rabbits. The rabbits chose me because they were there and they were like there in the yard. And I just started telling her a story about rabbits, you know, like here, here we are. And so that, and she loved it. So I just mm. told her more. And then like for years and years, I told her and her brother story, story, story. So it was all love. It was all honest and it was all organic. So when I, when, when we got to the, what's the climax of the green Ember happened in, in this first iteration out loud with my kids, I didn't, I was, it was all improvisation at the time. And I feel we finished this moment in the story and they were like quiet. And in my mind, I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> like, great job, dad. And, uh, and then they were, dad, that, that's amazing. Like we got, you know, you, you gotta write this down. This is so good. And so I was like okay and then, so I wrote it down just thinking like this will be a gift to my kids like if nothing else happens it'll be memorial. So the stakes were so low in a sense they were really high for us but it was a special it was mm-hmm. only our thing. So it was it was radically organic. Like rad- so I had a, a, I had a radical yeah. indifference to the market from the very beginning of my career. I never th- so I didn't think mm-hmm. about it at all. I think there was I found out later oh the market's not interested in personified animals that's like passé or whatever and I was like I don't care I didn't know I didn't know anything about it I wasn't a st- I didn't look yeah. anything up yeah. we just wrote the book for my kids very and I was like all right the best book for them and if it doesn't go anywhere else we won already cuz they'll have it in their house and they'll read it to their kids and it'll be this sort of like memorial of our time together and and a re- like a relic in the and a, and a crazy mm-hmm. old uncle sam or crazy old grandpa Wrote this book, so so when we shared it with the world, which was partly responsible, my my brother-in-law and, and partner, he was like, "I like this. Song. I think people we'll share it." So then it, it just we got a little tryout with a, with an audience because of uh, I think some goodwill. You know, nobody had ever read read anything I'd written fiction-wise, but some people gave it a try, and it had a good cover, I think. And then it was just like it just people started sharing it with other people, so it was totally organic. So like, and what we found out is, oh, there were other people like us that like this kind of story. So it was, it, so I didn't have time at the beginning. So that was a massive gift. I wasn't thinking about the market at all. And of course, over time, yeah. I, I, do, I do my job at yeah. some point along the way. And cause it was, you know, it was kind of inevitable. We needed to do something. So we, we do like, we try to figure out how to market, but even in those early months, people would say like, what's your, how's your, what's your marketing strategy? I want to do what you did. And I'm like, I'm working two jobs. I'm volunteering at my church. I'm coaching soccer. My kids are baby little. I have, I don't even know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my marketing strategy is a bunch of moms yeah. gave it to other moms. So they, cause they loved it. And it wasn't because it's like the, it's, you know, mm. the grapes of wrath or something. It wasn't that it wasn't brilliantly written or anything. Something about it resonated deeply with the audience and they started sharing it. So I I would, I would say I don't actually, so I've, I've like entered into the freedom of that natural, like the, because it's so rooted in love. Every time I write, I'm just thinking about my kids. And now I've met like tens of thousands of other kids on the mm. road and I've looked in their faces and, and they they're wearing rabbit ears and they're like telling. So I like have this confidence that I, that I know mm. that like, I know them and they know me and I love them. And it's just like, it's just like sitting down at home and telling my kid a story. I do, so I haven't thought too much while I'm creating Felt a freedom to to like really do that thing that I think all artists want is like to really try to just like tell an honest story. To, so I, I, I haven't felt I don't know. There, yeah. I do have that other hat on the the entrepreneur hat that I've got to put on, but I don't feel like I do that when I'm writing. I feel like I do that at other times, if if that makes sense. Mm, so what yeah, I'm saying is I'm a better I'm a better person than you. I so,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I took that's away from all I'm i, I hearing. think um, hearing. <laughs> Yeah. Um and I think your kids probably don't uh, My dad here. judging me somehow out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and your dad, who is a vet, I mean, he's judging me. I haven't even met him. Um <laughs> For the sure. thing, so, so one of the things, I mean you you nail this point. I mean, again, you know, your audience is so much of of kids. Like this is something I've thought a lot about. Let me give you a little back story to where I'm going with this. But I was with um a friend of mine this weekend. We were I had a show last weekend and um and we were kind of talking about like how we've been spending the holidays, and um you know, somehow it came up like what we were watching, and I was like, "You know, I thought about doing Harry Potter with the kids i have I have a twelve year old nine year- old and a seven year old and um and I was like, you know I thought about doing Harry Potter, but I was like, man, it, I, I don't know, like it just you know it just feels maybe like a little intense, and he said something I thought was really interesting. He's like, "I don't know, man." I don't. I think you're selling your kids short. I was like, you think so? And he was like, yeah. I mean, and 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 here's a huge asterisk, but it it has to be said, our kids were in a school shooting, oh, you know, s- seven months ago. So that's a whole. That's a, obviously that matters. So you always have to think about that. But that being over there, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know, man. And he, and he talked about this book called The Coddling of America, which I I've, I haven't read yet, but I want to read. The thing it made me think about is that would be interesting if I'm you, because you're writing for kids. You're trying, how do you, so the couple questions in the space I had is like, when you're writing a bad guy, uh, the, the, you know, the nemesis, whatever, how do you think about how to present that in a way that, you know, because how evil can it be? How dark can it be? And then I think sort of part two of that question, how do you think as an author that's writing this stuff, how do you, how should we think about kids and stories and sort of scary things? Like, how do you navigate that in a way that, it's presenting the theme you wanted to, but it's not being so egregious that kids are like, oh, I can't read this anymore. This is like terrifying. You know what I mean? How do you do that?
2: Well, I've never had that kind of question framed with the weight of your experience, which is such a good, um, sobering.
1: Story. Well, I don't mean to, I, I'd say that no. just because. No,
2: it's good. It's good. I yeah, love it because I'm not that's trying surreal. to,
1: That's I'm not trying, but I, no I think about as i'm so
2: know. I'm super grateful for that that context because that is such a gift because it takes away from the sort of like the theory of like well, oh, yeah, there's tough stuff in life, but you know chin up and or whatever it's not you can't be flippant mm-hmm. when you when you experience Right, like <laughs> right for you sure have be, yeah. you have to be honest yeah. and, and so I, I i do i come from the sort of like you, you know i don't want to, i don't like um i don't like putting down like christian art or movies or stuff um uh, I think that's like, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world is to go on Facebook and say like, know oh, that Christian movie was stupid. Um, you know, what's really hard is making a movie is very hard. Right. So I have a lot right. of respect for people who just try things. It's just, it's hard to do anything. It's hard to stick your neck up in a world. Right. Of right. Right. So I, I respect people that try. Things. <laughs> I will say that I don't love the approach of we, there's a lot of bad things in the culture and a lot of toxic stuff. And so uh, that we're really frustrated with that. And I sort of, I sympathize with all that. And then, so what, therefore I will do is I will do a clean, I will, you know, I don't like dirty. So I will. I will do clean. I don't like this, all this um, violence and ho- horrible sort of stuff, satanic or terrible. So I'm going to write uh, safe things. And, and I, I don't, I don't like safe um, because kids will experience death mm. and because they will mm-hmm. experience, they will definitely experience mm. a death scene their own and many others probably in life. And, and, and I have, have, Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a result of these books being sort of taking kids very seriously and not patting them on the head and saying, you're right. If you just do the right thing, everything will work out and you'll win the championship or whatever. like I hate that kind mm-hmm. of thing because we call that safe, but I think that's far more dangerous. So I, li- I write dangerous mm-hmm. books and I want to write dangerous books for kids who are dangerous. I want them to be dangerous to the darkness. I want them to be so full of light, so full of courage, moral courage. But that to me, to, to, to achieve that end, you have to go through. You know, Winston Churchill said, "If you're going through hell, keep going." And I just think like you can't write good stories if you if you coddle the characters. You have to kill them. You have to go after them. You have to chase mm. them up a tree, as as the, as the cliche goes, and throw stones at them. Like that's if you love them. You do. And, and that's the experience of human beings. Mm-hmm. We don't become characters that are uh, that are um, brave or heroic or share or sacrifice unless we go through pain. And the Green Ember itself, that book, I mean, if I could tell you the story, I cannot believe that book ever came out. It was it's the, it was the biggest example of the giving birth of something through the the worst labor pains. And we probably all have stories like that. Some Something that's beautiful and surprising and resonating that comes out of like deep, deep, deep pain. And, uh, and so, so, so that's, that was the experience of giving it. but I I, I don't, I, I, but I take your point about like, I don't think it's cool. Like there's, a, there's another emphasis to sort of in cult culture to like, sort of like, I want to be edgy or I want to like try to like, where's the edge. I think it's neat to, for some reason, I think a lot of Christian kids growing up in Christian culture are like, I want to find the edge and I don't think it's cool to like, I don't care about that. That doesn't interest me at all. Like vice, I think, um, Simone wheel talks about like imaginary evil is like interesting and exciting, but like real evil is boring boring and dumb. And then sometimes imaginary good is, um, I'm murdering this quote, but imaginary good is sort, sort of I'm presented as dull, but real good is beautiful and life-giving and, and that kind of thing. So I don't, I don't like like mm. shows that are just dark for dark sake or like heavy or just like just yeah. trying to be edgy or push the envelope. I don't give a, I don't care about that. I care about get loving the kids and telling them an authentic story that that feels real that that um, where the characters go through really intense stuff. Hmm. But it's not like we're not indulging it. You know, I, th- I describe it as like it's a difference between like a person going for a swim in a septic tank is different than a person losing their wedding ring and they dive in to try to like find it and they find it and they get out. That's different than just like, I'm just hanging out in here. Yeah. It's cool. Or yeah. like, yeah. I, I want to, I don't mind the, the the brush with the septic tank, but it has to have meaning and it has to have purpose. So I, I like like strong yeah. moral stories yeah. that where the, where the kids are challenged and they face death and there's tough stuff in a, in a way that's generous. And I always just use it mm. as like my own kids. I think about them, but I, and I do, I think that I tend to agree with the person who says like, kids are more equipped for more than you think and and I, that's one reason it's a nice thing about mm. my books being the the the, the green Ember books being about rabbits is there's a little bit of a displacement a little bit of like a you can do a little bit more you can, a kid can yeah 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 a yeah. little bit deeper and not be like oh my goodness this is like right next door they can enter into a vicarious experience of some violence and of some death and of some sort of mm-hmm. suffering and i can't tell you the result of that has been and again with no design of my own um, a, a, a generous byproduct from God is that I've heard from uh, innumerable folks going through childhood cancer, tragedies, difficult things who sit around uh, mm. in cancer wards reading these books aloud and feeling brave. Mm. And I, I, I can't tell you how many kids Man. sent pictures of kids who are donating bone marrow to their sibling. This has happened multiple times wearing their green number shirt that says, my place beside you, my blood for yours. Till the green ember rises, or the end of the world, and they resonate with this stuff in a way that like I didn't I didn't design it, but it's like this byproduct of taking them very seriously and loving them and saying like I respect you intellectually, which which the best authors do. Madeline L'Engle, you know, ninety publishers told her kids don't Mm. talk like this, and of course, what happens when the book gets published? Boom! Uh Everybody's like, oh my goodness, it's awesome. C.S. Lewis takes kids seriously. I think J.K. Rowling takes mm. kids seriously. So I want to do that. I want the stakes to be high. I want it to feel important. I want them to go through wow. this, these vicarious experiences of death and and, and and because I think dangerous stories are important, especially when they're written w- with an honesty mm. about like the, the, the capital R reality sort of flowing through them, a, a submission to sort of the way God made the world and, and, mm. and receiving it as a gift, but also this dangerous landscape. Mm. I think that can be, I mean, I know that's powerful for me and my kids, so I, I just want to give that gift.
1: Man, that is beautiful. Yeah, I love the way you put that. Taking kids seriously. What a what a. It's so funny because as you say that and you, you talk about those authors, that is the the sort of through line. You know, is they don't. There's no pandering. There's no like, you know, mm-hmm. breaking things down to the most digestible bits. That's re, that. That's a wonderful way to put that.
2: I'm sorry. When, when when you see that, when you see it in a movie or something like, you guys are all right. I'm patting you on the head. Everything you guys think is right. And oh, they somebody deviated from that, but they got back on track and now they're okay. Like, you know it's not true. You don't, you don't believe it. It can it can have like a thousand right true enough. facts in it and be completely dishonest. Like at its core. Mm-hmm. Like and, and I don't want to lie to kids because mm-hmm. they are going yeah. to have shootings and cancer and we're all gonna, you know, you know the suffering mm-hmm. that comes. If you just get married yeah. and have a job, you are gonna have suffering. You know, and so you gotta be prepared like that's part of the whole like gift of like sort of empathy and the and vicarious experience of fiction is that you get to exercise your imagination in these ways and so if i if I can equip kids if I can give them some kind of a gift that uh, even if it's a small moves the needle a little bit for them, I mean what would you rather do in the world than than love a bunch of vulnerable kids and you get invited into their home and their heart mm-hmm. it's like the best honor anybody could ask for it's, it's such a such a such a privilege and such an honor yeah.
0: i can't imagine how you must feel seeing those those uh pictures like in the cancer ward and the and the little kids going to donate blood with the shirt on i mean that's so powerful that's amazing
2: yeah it is i mean and they are Truly heroic people, and I love it because I mean they, they they have and they have a language for understanding it because they see these sort of heroic characters and they think, well, I'll, I'll do what they did. I'll, I'll lay down my life. I'll do this, and it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. They, they're so inspiring uh, to me.
1: That is crazy. W- one of the things that I think is so cool uh, about what you do too, which was really fun to see so much in your Instagram, is that your kids are so involved in sort of your space. This this you know, be it that you wrote this book with your son, which is so cool and crazy. And then I love the picture of your daughter that's selling her earrings. I love that they're on stage with you playing. Mm -hmm. What is sort of the methodology there? I mean, I know, you know, low hanging fruit is like, it's just fun to have your kids around, but is, but is there an intentionality to that too? Like you've sort of workshopped or seen, or is that something they came to you and said, Hey, we want to be a part of this too. Like, how
2: do you think about that? I think it's mostly, it's an economic decision. Like you start to really understand the roots of slavery and you just say like, I can, I can get these people and I don't have to pay them a whole lot. A um, tax right off. Yeah. It's really easy. No, uh, yeah. it's so organic again. It's just like, um, this is the need. And then here we are. And like, uh, yeah, having them, um, I think we've, I've always just, that's a, that's a MO for us naturally. We, we, we homeschool and we, we do that sort of like, it's just, I don't know. We always, Oh, I, I'm a, I always wanted to be a dad. I always wanted to be, I, I was always that kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Like I always like a looking out for this little kid and like putting a blanket over somebody and helping someone through the barbed wire fence. And like, that's my natural. So I love the togetherness. I love, I love it. And, and, and I love having the whole family together. So, and I always long for um, like uh, shepherding and, and, uh, sort of pastoring. And, you know, I don't know about you, you guys, but I've been in, in my life. I've sometimes I've been like, Oh, that's the smartest guy here. So let's like, listen to him. And he's going to tell us something or, or you know, like that I get put in those positions sometimes in small community sort of stuff and I always long for somebody to just say like, Hey, Sam, you know, you know how like, you don't want anybody to tell you to go to bed. And then like you get old enough and you're like, oh, I wish somebody would tell me to go to bed. I wish somebody would give me limits some mentorship i've always longed for that uh, mm, and, yeah. and my, my parents were great they were wonderful in so many ways my dad was definitely of his generation which was like they'll figure it out kind of a thing which is which is cool and there's all kinds of gifts in that too
1: yeah yeah but i
2: was definitely a person who longed to like this is the way oh you want to do this like and i hope it was generous i mm. hope it's not heavy-handed but mm. so i love bringing the kids in i love it i love that they feel comfortable i love that my really really shy kids which was what i was have been invited to at a at a convention or something to man a table and to look people in the eye and and to be able to say to them i know you're scared but don't even just look at them like they need you they need mm. help so just love them that's all you got to do see them and like and having that yeah. oh, my own experience of like my own anxiety drain away as i actually turn my eyes to other people instead of thinking internally all the time and to invite my sort of anxious kids into that opportunity to grow. I love it. i so I love it. I love the discipleship. I love the sort of like hands-on entrepreneurship on faith, on life, culture sort of stuff. I just, I, I, I eat that up. That that is such a, and it's, and I love, love, love Mm -hmm. the whole vocation, like that, that I don't have to pretend. I I really appreciate, you know, I've had different jobs in life where you're kind of like, you got to not lie, but you just have to like, sort of, it's not like the, the main thing on your heart. And you got to sort of represent it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not everything mm-hmm. like nothing that would like violate a conscience, but I'm just saying, I love waking up. Like, I don't have to pretend like right. I really love the families of the kids Yeah, that I love working with my kids and I love bringing them along. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, it's cool. It's, uh, and I'm sure you guys have the similar experience, but that is like the, 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 the relief involved in yeah. just that there's not another layer that it can be really authentic is wow, that's a. A, yeah, it's like the end of the movie stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not super rich. Like, we're okay. Like, we're feeding our kids. We live in West Virginia. We don't have a high cost of living. We're okay. But I already feel like it's the end of the movie. You know, like it's okay. Like we're we're like we're together. And, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a gift. You know, it's fine. I don't have to. I don't need to like make a big movie deal or yeah. you know be a real big time bestseller or get a big award. It's a like it's okay. That like that family stuff is. Whew, I wouldn't trade that for a chillion
1: dollars. Yeah, oh, it's a yeah. big payoff. Yeah. So so what are the challenges? It's it's interesting the age of your kids, because a lot of the dads we have on tend to have kids around our, you know, our kids' ages. What are the challenges you find or how the better way to ask that, sorry, is like what what are the ways parenting your kids they get older? Like what, how is that different? Like what, what are you seeing now that you're having to sort of exhibit as a dad that maybe wasn't as present and doesn't look
0: year? like the way you always thought it would look?
2: and uh yeah i don't know i heard heard all the warnings and like all the you know like people would will tell you oh you know it doesn't they they grow up quick and it goes by fast and all the cliches which are you know i find myself telling other people and too, and just completing the cycle um i love it i really do it's different i i do i'm a sort of a tender-hearted guy i love the little squishy like the fat legs and the little squishy kisses and snuggles and stuff. I'm not sure that'll win me like man of the year. Well, my wife loves me stuff, <laughs> but, but I love that sort of stuff. So I miss that, uh, that, that stage, but I do love this sort of um moving into sort of a collegial sort of peer kind of a thing, because I really have tried to sort of our approach, you know, for better or for worse was that we were going to do like, Big love, big discipline, sort of like that. We were going to not be absent on the sort of like, here's the border. Mm. We were going to, I believe that, you know, like Chesterton talks about sort of like walking along a, a cliffside in the fog is different than walking on a clear day. And sort of like clarity of like, <laughs> I long for that kind of clarity of like, what, what should I be doing here? You know, and so I, I, there's clarity, there's discipline, there's, there's, you know loving sort of correction but there's big love there's always going to be hugs and you're never going to have a doubt about like where you fit in so, so that's sort of been a and always trying to parent even from an early age with the idea that like yeah i'm your father and you, this is your mother and we're like authority and that's true there's like you got to kind of listen to us during this period but what we're preparing you for like that's not the we're not trying to prepare you for a life of 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 uh, dependence on us in the same way so having that in mind the whole time to some degree. And sort of functionally having to sort of, you know, you got to like, you know, you got to eat that. Sorry. And no, you can't hit that person or you can't you know, you got to like have these sort of like moments. But it's always it's never been about punishment to me. It's never been about like, I am the moral authority of the universe and you have stepped outside of the boundaries. And now I must hurt you in order to like restore cosmic balance. It's always about mm-hmm. like, we're there's a train yeah. here. There's a road. And like, oh, well, you're kind of you're going off the road here toward the poison berries or whatever. Like, here, come on, let's go back over on the road. Like, here's the road because I'm walking on the road. You're walking on the road. Pretty soon, you'll just be walking on the road like of your own strength. I won't have to carry you, and you'll be helping other people. Like, don't don't go over there. That's really dumb. That, you can get killed over there. That's really stupid. That hurts people if you do if you go down this just just um you know down the abandoned mine shaft or whatever. Just kind of stick on the road here. So it's there's been like a little bit of a loving sort of correction. Like we walk in this way. And to sort of have that in mind and then now to see it is really nice. And to, to move into that little bit more yeah. of a colleague, I like that. Mm. I like that um, I learned from my son and my daughter, like that they're doing things in the world and I'm listening to them. And there's still like a mm. lot of respect and a lot of love and a lot of affection. But I, I like the changing thing. I'm trying to dis- discipline myself to be less of a lecturer and more of a listener, more of a, um, a soft-hearted person who's, who's – um, you know, trying to support them and trying to let them, uh, go, like have that right balance of like, you know, you've got protection here, you've got a welcome here, but you've also got this independence. I like it. It's a new challenge. It's fun. Um, you know, I, I the, horror stories all come from like, Oh, it's going to be so bad because they'll make all these bad decisions and you'll be bailing them out with money all the time. I've, I've heard all those and I'm not trying to be arrogant. Like, Oh, that'll never happen. I don't, I know there'll be trouble ahead. Like there are for all of us. There is for all of us, but, um, but I love it. I love this stage. It's, um, uh, there, there's there's pain associated with it, but there was pain associated with the other ones too. I haven't wiped a a, a poopy bottom in a long time, um, and I have different. There's different pains, but I like it. I like it. It's growing up. I will be the one that's yeah. like yeah. losing yeah. it when the when the last one or when the first one honestly is gone for you're really gone. I because yeah. that is me. But even that, like, what a privilege that you that you're not like throwing a party, like they're out of here. I'm so glad like to the pain, just like if we lost someone in a death, which, which we might at any moment, you know, I'm glad that we had the love. I'm glad that the love was there. I'm glad that when that pain comes, I'm, I'll be, I, I'll hope that I'll remember to be grateful for it because it's mm-hmm. it's been a gift you know, mm-hmm. all along the way. And it's still a gift. And I hope to God, gen- genuinely to God that, um, that I can, uh, that I would be like a faithful I'll be a, I want to be a good dad when when my daughter's 57 you know if I'm still alive um just like I hopefully was mm-hmm. when she was 7
1: yeah that's beautiful well that's beautiful it's okay like you're a what a, I know what a, what a, that's like a it's <laughs> like a perfect summation um okay so so First of all, thank you so much for hanging with us. We we um end these with what we call the lightning round, which is native to us. We're the first people to kind of do something like this. Um, and so it's just it's really quick questions. Um, so uh, you know, just top of mind. Um, I'll ask first one. Here we go. Buckle up. If you could have dinner with three writers, dead or alive, who are they'd
0: they? be alive while you're eating though.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I'm Actually, okay if they're not. Yeah. You, yeah, you could Especially say like that they could it. all be dead. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> It'd be a quiet conversation. Wow. Uh, uh, Tolkien, um, mm-hmm. uh, Shakespeare, and uh, St. John, the beloved apostle. Look at that.
0: Man, what a table that would be.
2: I'm trading. I'm trading all Shakespeare right. out for, for uh, I'm, tra- I'm immediately regretting it. I'm trading Shakespeare out for um, the writer of Ecclesiastes. Okay, sorry. Final answer. Locked in. Oh,
1: there we go. That's final. Right. Okay, that. there we go. Respect.
0: Favorite book of all time?
2: Um, The Lord of the Rings. That's, uh, Have you heard of it? I'm trying to tell people about it. I'm yeah. just I'm writing it down right now. About. Rings. Yeah, people, yeah, it sounds people great. people are like, Green, number, Green, 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 I'm like, guys, I know, yeah. but if you, if you just checked out this Tolkien guy, I think he should him a chance.
1: <laughs> so it's not It's not Therings. That's helpful. Okay, Lord I've of always Therings. Lord of Therings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. uh, Next question. Um, Does your wife read your books? And let me say this. If not, I get it. I feel that deeply. If she does, congrats. I just know that books are so much more of a commitment than music. So is that something where she really sits down and reads them? Or how does that work?
2: I think she, yeah, she reads them. It's funny. She's not, this probably sounds terrible, but she's not like, it's almost cool that she's, she's not like in that world and, and like going crazy you know she's not like a super fan she's a super yeah. fan of me but she's like it's kind of my it's my job and she likes it and she's approves of it, and she sort of like looks for mistakes she's good at that yeah um and lots of areas uh, no i'm just kidding uh, but uh she's she's great she she reads the books and she she's really good at, she, she does have a good kind of eye for catching errors which i make a lot of and uh, yeah so she, she she likes them yeah
0: all right so if yeah. the whole world could stop and read one of your books, which one would you want them to read?
2: Uh, the Green Number. I started to say Mooses yep. and Bazookas and other stories that children should never read, but that would be a very stupid answer. And I think I've given enough of those already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've had your, you fill, you've had your quotes. We always have to for one more. Yeah, we it. do. It's, it's, it's dad will after all okay i'm gonna i'm gonna round up this whole thing so buckle up um if you wrote a book this is a great question actually ask an author if you wrote a book on being a dad what would the title of that book be
2: uh it might be uh big love big discipline i don't like it. it's not very poetic but um... oh yeah no no i've got it it would be this this is my second correction and i hope final correction of the evening my this is something my dad always told me everywhere i went uh, when he would drop me off at school, drop me off at a party, at a game, anywhere, when I would walk out the door, he would say, don't forget whose boy you are. And uh, I always say that to my kids. Don't forget whose boy you are. Don't forget whose girl you are. And it would be, that would be the title. Don't forget whose boy you are.
1: I love that. Oh, that's so good. You got to write that book, yeah. man. That's beautiful. Um, so anything, before we release you back to the wild, to the hollers of West Virginia, Um <laughs> anything that you want to plug what what, what's what's the newest thing what should everybody be paying attention to in your world
2: i i I don't know i mean the newest book is the mooses with bazookas which is funny because you guys are such goofballs i assumed that we'd be talking about that the whole time instead there's all this we're talking about cancer and shootings and everything's uh, deep and heavy and and, which i love that's i love that stuff too um, but yeah, my newest book is just a very silly book, which actually is helpful too. When you're going through a tough time, it's, uh, that's part, part of the design is sometimes yeah. it's good just to laugh.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh and
2: yeah. That's what that book's like. it's oh, yeah. Very, it's a very silly book.
1: Well, um, just know if you need some soundtracks, me and John are ready. We are at the ready strings and fingers poised over keys.
2: I was really hoping so, for more uh, of you your, know. your guys impromptu little acapella sort of. Stuff I mean, that's I'm, I'm, that's probably among the many disappointments with this conversation. That would be that's one of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we do all that off air.
2: <laughs> oh, can you do insert yeah. him, You insert them yeah.
0: in. Oh my gosh!
2: You'll fix it in post.
0: Yeah, 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 we do yeah, that in yeah, post. Later. That's all, Jason.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it's all posted. <laughs> that's Jason, your favorite guy. Dude, Sam, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, this for was being great. Nice. Thank, thank you so much. We so appreciate what you do. Oh, it's such
2: an such an honor to talk to you guys. I know I joke I, I joked around a little bit and poked fun at you. I assume that's kind of my love language, growing up with a bunch of brothers and stuff. So, I hope that you don't get off the, this call oh, and, yeah. and cry intensely for hours. Uh, but this is a privilege. Thank you, guys. <laughs>
0: Well
1: we do we that's the normal end of Has prep. nothing
0: to do with you. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> that's just
1: that's all that shit. That's all that's me and my, my dad. That <laughs>
0: that's just me that's just. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the Thanks again, Sam. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks, man.
0: Thank
2: <laughs>